Welcome to another episode of You Are Not A Frog, how to work flexibly without the stress. Now, since COVID, it's fair to say that the number of us who are having to work flexibly has gone up. And some of us have done this for years, and it's not always been easy juggling several roles, childcare, and everything that life brings with it. So this is a conversation between two veterans of flexible working, myself and Dr. Serena Chibber. She's a portfolio GP. She's the co-founder of My Locum Manager. She's a Red Whale GP update presenter and a mum of two. Now, we talk about the fact that we would actually never have it any other way. And we discuss the ups and downs of working flexibly. We talk about the importance of knowing your own true north when making decisions. And we talk about how to ditch the guilt and make life and work just easier for ourselves and everybody. So have a listen to this episode to find out what we wish we'd known before we started working flexibly, how to eliminate the unimportant and most importantly, how to give ourselves a break and really thrive in the flexible life that we've chosen. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, doctors and other busy professionals in high stress jobs. Even before the coronavirus crisis, many of us were feeling stressed and one crisis away from not coping. We felt like frogs in boiling water, overwhelmed and exhausted. But this has crept up on us slowly, so we hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm. And let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices. Stay and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog. And that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more options than you think you do. It is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, turned executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I work with doctors and other organisations all over the country to help professionals and their teams beat stress and take control of their work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to survive and thrive in our work and lives. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours? then it's time to get your life back. And that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash getyourlifeback. It's really great to have with me on the podcast today, Dr. Serena Chibbert. Now, Serena is a portfolio GP. She's the co-founder of My Locum Manager. She's a Redwell GP update presenter. She's a mum of two and a flexible worker extraordinaire. And Serena, have I missed out anything else from that list? Um, chocoholic. I think that's the only <laughs> other thing I would probably say. All that chocolate fuels me. <laughs> Fueled by chocolate. Any particular chocolate? I love a bit of dark chocolate with sea salt. Nice. I'm a bit of a dark chocolate with chili fan myself. Oh, I haven't gone there yet. It's oh, a bit... no, it's good. Okay. I'll have yeah. to try it. But thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh, you're welcome. This is the second time we've had you on. I think we did right at the beginning. You did an episode for us, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, all about developing your career. So if you're interested, guys, go, go back and have a listen to Serena. It was episode like 
number two or three or four or something like that. So about a year ago. So I've got Serena back on the podcast today to talk about flexible working, because I think it's it's something that, well, everyone's doing it these days, actually. It's not just for people that are part time or, you know, have other roles. It's, you know, because of lockdown, because a lot of people are working from home, a lot of people are working a lot more flexibly than usual. And I think this is a a good thing that people are learning how to do it or or understanding that they can do it because I think flexibility in our lives being able to take a little bit more control over our time is really important but of course there are some of us that have been flexibly working pretty much all of our careers I mean I don't know about you Serena how long have you been working flexibly for? So I actually started my GP career um, working flexibly because I was a mum. So as a GP trainee, I had my first child. And that really changed the trajectory of what I felt like I wanted my career to look like. And I think prior to that, those people that knew me would know that I was very career driven. I was actually going to do hospital medicine. And, you know, I did my kind of MRCP and PACES alongside, you know, all the other things I was juggling. And I I was extremely focused on, oh, I want this career and I'm interested in, you know, work and I think work took up a big proportion of my life. And then all of a sudden, as a kind of coming to the end of my GP training, I, you know, I'd had my daughter and all of a sudden my whole priorities changed really. And I kind of started to value this other side of me, which wanted to be a good mom, wanted to enjoy parenthood and wanted balance. And I think that then started to drive me to think about ways to facilitate flexible working because no there's not a manual on this is how you do it and obviously you know my biggest worries were well I've you know I've got to pay nursery fees I've got a mortgage and you know how will working less for example fit in with all my other responsibilities and who's going to want to work you know with me if I'm like oh no I I only do these hours I only do those days because I'm doing my mummy stuff the rest of the time. And that's actually what started my journey with my local manager, just a way to facilitate that whole process and make it a lot easier and bring down the barriers that often come up to working flexibly or working around your other commitments. Makes me laugh when you said, when I started working less. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you were a mother as well. I mean, so I think that's the big thing about sort of part-time working was this concept that we're not really pulling our weight because we're working less actually you're probably working a lot more because of all the other commitments you've got outside of work and and most people who certainly the people that were working flexibly working part-time in my time when I just finished my training were, were mainly women mainly with children and this sort of perception that we were just the part-timers actually we had an enormous amount to do outside and most of the many of the uh the people that were working full-time had somebody full-time at home backing them up and looking after them otherwise known as a wife (laughs) yeah no that's so true and I think you're right so for for those of you listening on the podcast you wouldn't have seen my fingers come up with quotation marks of working less but (laughs) yeah I think that that was a challenge so you know, I kind of thought, oh, God, how is it going to be perceived if I'm like, oh, I'm a mom, I'd like to do this. And I'd like to do, would I be taken seriously? Kind of felt a lot of imposter syndrome, you know, coming back after maternity leave and feeling like I was adequate enough to work or get opportunities to work like my colleagues who were working full time. And actually, I think when you work flexibly, it's not that you're working any less. And actually, as you said, like I've done 
a number of different roles make up my career and they give me a lot of stimulation and a lot of joy and a lot of, you know, they spark my interest in different ways. But it doesn't mean I'm working less. In fact, actually, I, I probably end up working more, but it's just more spread out in the times and days that allow me to also do the other things like the school run or my kids homework or, or anything else that I have. So I think working flexibly yeah, doesn't mean you're working less. It just means you're working on your terms and you're creating your week to be part of work and part of everything else that you want it to be. Uh, It's quite interesting because I qualified in 1998, then finished my GP training in 2002. And from then on, I always work flexibly because I was doing medical education I was working at the refugee doctors program so I I never had a a full-time job in general practice it was never more than three days because I had the other two days doing other stuff but then it just did tend to be women that were working you know part-time but now it's great to see that actually lots of people are taking up the opportunity to work flexibly and you've got a lot of men that have chosen to work flexibly either to do childcare or to do other roles and things. And it's not quite so stigmatized these days, you know, it's becoming more widely accepted, which I think is really, really good. But I think there's lots of things that we can do to make it easier for ourselves, because I think actually it can be quite a, a high stress way of working, having lots of different roles, as opposed to just having one role that you can focus on. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think there's a lot less stigma. I think the challenges now are, people have is well how do I work flexibly what are the barriers to flexible working so a lot of flexible work might be zero hours work or self-employed work so you and I do a lot of different roles where we're actually we're doing them in a self-employed capacity so you need to manage all your finances and your tax you need to do your scheduling and I think for, for the GP community that's what I kind of drove me with my local manager to really help facilitate that and bring down those barriers But I think the other side of flexible working is that, so say in probably in all all high pressure sectors, but general practice as an example, retention and recruitment in our profession is, you know, very, very challenged and very difficult. And that's because the strains of work and the pressures of work and the buildup of work is often unsustainable to do, you know, 24 seven, you know, five to seven days a week. And a lot of GPs remain in the profession when they can be given the tools to do to develop skills elsewhere and drive their energies elsewhere and get a bit of balance to that intense workload and help them develop their careers and also their own interests. So I think the biggest challenge now isn't the stigma so much. It's how do you equip a workforce to work in a way that they love? and make career choices that are sustainable not just for them but actually for the profession as a whole yeah I totally agree I think that one of the things that really keeps your interest in a job is being able to diversify and I know we talked about this before because if you can actually find within the job things that are going to use different bits of your brain so you know seeing patients you know all day every day that is very tiring and I guess if you're a lawyer seeing clients all the time you know it's good to be able to diversify and do some slightly different things like you might be then responsible for training and I have a good friend who's a lawyer who's responsible for a lot of mentoring and coaching within her practice so she doesn't just do the the day job that she does but she's doing also other stuff within her practice and I think in medicine lots of doctors can do that but some people are having to do that outside their regular contracted hours and go and do it in you know as 
like you said, as a zero hours contract or as a self-employed contract, which brings with it all the extra stresses and strains of, you're right, managing your managing your finances, managing your diaries. If you're in a job where you need to get clients, you've got to do marketing and get your clients. You've got to do all of these, all of these yeah. different things and, and not drop any balls. For me, the most difficult thing about flexible working is the juggling of stuff. I don't know if you found that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you've got to be super on it to manage your time and to make time for those different roles and to carve out the skills you need to deliver those roles. So, for example, when I often speak to GP trainees in my BTS workshops, I often you know, talk to them about, OK, if you want to specialize in a certain part of general practice that you really enjoy, that's probably going to require a year of additional study or getting a diploma. So you've got to carve that time out of everything else that you're doing. Then you've probably got to submit some piece of work or an exam or something to get certified. And then you need to build up the clinical experience to match the learning so that you can deliver it. So during that year and year or year and a half that you're developing those skills, you may take a reduction in income. You might be having to let some parts of your role go so you can make time to deliver on these other interests. So it is all about kind of building the bigger picture, but it happens slowly and you will get there, but it just often it's a process unfolding and you've got to make space for the learning, put in the foundations for what you want your career to look like in the next six months, 12 months, five years, and then slowly work towards that because I don't think any change happens overnight. And I I know you and I, you know, when I speak to GPs, they're always like, oh, you're so lucky. It's so amazing what you do and everything. And I'm like, this didn't happen overnight. I didn't develop this portfolio career overnight. It took a lot of time and it took a lot of juggling. And, you know, sometimes I'd be like, why am I, you know, why am I doing this for myself? And, but in the end, it's worth it. It's just, it is a process. So I would say, don't be too hard on yourself. Just set your goals. And as my, I did a coaching, a deanery mentoring scheme as a GP trainee. And I remember my coach saying to me, Serena, you always come in with a a to-do list. What I want you to do is give me a to-be list. And I was just sitting there thinking, what is this psychobabble? But actually when I did it, I was like, okay, so I want to be a good mum. I want to be able to work flexibly. I want to be proud of the work that I do. And I want to, you know, be happy in the work that I do. And then we use those four things to then build what I've now built as my career now. So Mm. something that allows me to do the school run, have time with my kids in the evenings, something that challenges me, requires me to learn and something that interests me and, you know, is a real passion of mine to do as work. And it's been a journey to get here. But And now I think that to myself and I say that to my kids, I'm like, don't think about all the things you have to do. Think about what do you want to be? And, and, you know, every year I, I change that. So every year I have a a to be list that's different from last year. And that makes each year very different. And it means I learn different skills. And even if I think, okay, been there, done that, I don't want to do that again. It's meant that year I've kind of evolved in a certain different way to take forward, you know, to the next year. I love that concept, a to-be list, not a to-do list. Because wow. I think so often we see opportunities, we think, oh, that would be really great to do that. And we think, right, I'll just fit it in. I'll just, and then we end up sort of doing it off the side of our desk in our lunch hour. And then it becomes stressful. It's not enjoyable anymore. And actually we don't do it very well because we haven't put the time into it. Yeah. And whenever I'm coaching, you know, any professional in a high stress job, be it GP, doctor, lawyer, accountant, you know, any sort of other other professional in knowledge organizations, they're always 
got too much on their plate they just whether they're working flexibly or whether they are full-time in a one particular role they have jammed too many things in so they're not able to fully focus on on any of them and the biggest thing that you can do is I think just plot out your working week and as part of your to-be list what does my working week need to look like for me to be a really empathetic friend or to be someone who's encouraging and inspiring, for example, you know, and actually if I'm chock a block with no time to rest or recuperate or be creative or look after myself, then with the best one in the world, that ain't going to happen. And I think most professionals are just far too overcommitted and most people could easily probably lose about a day of work from their week and then not put anything else in and that would actually make their week a lot better. Yeah, it's so true. And I think like now when I look at my working week, I kind of have in there, normally we make time for things we don't want to do, but we have to do. And that's what your calendar will be filled with. Whereas I've kind of tried to flip it on its head and all the things I want to do are scheduled in my week alongside the things I need to do or I have to do or, you know, are are non like non-negotiable. But it just means my week isn't a working week. It's very much this is my week and I get to do all these things that I enjoy because I've made time for them. So they're in there alongside the other things that I have to do as part and parcel of, you know, of my life, for example. You know, it could be anything simple from my tax return to to any, you know, getting my road tax or something like that. So I just think it's really important to make time for what you want to do as long as alongside the things that you feel like you have to do. And if you've done that week after week, you're you're basically, you know, on the right track anyway. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think there are lots of things we have to do or there's also lots of things that we ought to do. Mm. And that's slightly different because, yes, we have to do we have to do surgeries or we have to do client meetings or we have to you know those are things we have to deliver that training session that we promised we would do that's our bread and butter but Mm. I think we self-sabotage a bit by these things that we ought to do yeah and we were talking earlier just before the podcast actually and you were you were sort of mentioning about people looking around at their workplace and thinking well they're doing that and I can see them doing that therefore I ought to do it as well just to I don't know, prove that I'm a good human being or prove that I'm pulling my weight or prove this or that. And I think that's one of the things that really scuppers people. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I had that when I uh, was finishing training and I'd gone back for a few weeks after maternity leave to finish my training and then kind of, you know, start in the world of work. And I remember I was having some conversations with colleagues and parenting is so personal. You know, some people want you know kind of want to juggle things or some people want to outsource childcare and some people don't and so I just think it's so personal that there's not a set thing for anybody it's just what feels right for you and I remember so many people saying to me like so if you found a nursery you've got to like start looking now because all the sessions get booked up like mine go in five days a week eight till six and and I was just like oh I don't know if I really I don't know if I really want to do that. I haven't really decided yet. And I just felt there was a real expectation, depending on who I spoke to. And there was others who were like, no, I just took the first few years off. I didn't work at all because I chose to have this baby. And I was like, I just fit somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. And I need, you know, I need to do what's right for me. So I had to make my own decisions. And same with work. So I'd speak to some of my friends and they'd say, you know, everyone stays till like, I'm supposed to finish at six, but everyone stays till seven to do their paperwork. Like, because everyone does it, I don't really feel like I can leave. And I was like, but that's their choice. You make your choice. Don't like, you know, that's not a healthy way of working. Like just maybe propose something different or 
just break the status quo and do what works for you. And this particular friend actually ended up leaving the job probably six months later because it just got too much. Mm-hmm. And I just think, yeah, it's you just got to do what fits with you and your values because then you will, of course, you'll enjoy what you're doing because it's in line with what feels right for you. You can't work you can't just work or do things based on what everybody else's status quo is because you'll never achieve the kind of balance or the career that you want to create. You'll be working in line with what everybody else feels like they've got to create. Yeah. I think, you know, comparison is the root of all evil. I've heard, I've heard that said, you know, when we're comparing ourselves to other people going, well, I I ought to do that because a, because everyone else is doing it. That's not a good reason. B because what will they think of me if I do it? Well, my answer to that would be, well, do you do a good job? <laughs> Are you doing what you need to do? And and actually, maybe it just takes one person to break that mold and say, actually, you know, I, I have a friend and he leaves the office bang on every day at a certain time. And then he works really hard at, in, at different times. But it's a real role modeling to all the people in his teams about actually my family life is really, really important to me. So, you know, don't care about what other people are thinking of you. But sometimes we do things because we think that we ought to, because that promotion or being on that board or being even sometimes a partner or or this will give us some sort of status, which is the place to get to. And if I get there, then I've really made it. And I'm going to sacrifice all this, all these years of my life and all this time doing stuff I don't really want to do in order to get somewhere I don't really want to be. And so I think sometimes just actually looking at where where am I headed? It's like you said, if if there is something that you would really like to do, like a particular maybe clinical area of interest or some training and mentoring like my my friend does or coach or whatever it is, then actually maybe you do need to sacrifice some maybe some status and some finances or income or some even some financial security to get there. Because actually at the end of the day, Doing what you love in your work is is pretty much one of the biggest gifts you can give to yourself, I think. I get it. You're pushed for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd hold wholeheartedly agree with that. I think part of that mindset, though, of like, oh, when I get there, then I'll be happy is very much a modern day affliction of um, not really living in the now and not really looking at where you are now and making, you know, it's it's not really about the kind of the journey is the reward. I read that in a really good it was the Steve Jobs autobiography, actually, and um And that really resonated with me. I was like, yeah, we don't think about the journey being the reward. We always think about the destination. And when you look at children, so if I look at my five-year-old, he teaches me so much because he's always in the present. He doesn't have a concept of next week, next year or tomorrow. He's always in the now. And I remember once I was doing like... I I had back-to-back emails and Teams meetings. And he was like, oh, mommy, can you come play Lego with me? And I was like, look, I'd really love to, but I've, I've got to do these emails. And he just put my laptop down and he went... 
well, if you if you'd love to do something, that's the right thing to do. Come on, I've set up the Lego, and I just literally had nothing to. I was like, okay, then let's go. Because how do I argue with that? And and I think that's really if we all just follow our interests, you can't really go wrong. So if you're a, I don't know, if you're in some kind of high profile career or high pressure job, but there's certain aspects of that you love. So for example, with my local manager, do webinars every month. You've been a guest on our webinars as well. And we have um, a specialist accountants coming in and they're partners in their firms. They're really busy, you know, they're big firms, but they love coming on and doing the webinars and they really enjoy it. But they have to make it's often juggling client meetings and everything else to come and deliver these webinars. But like the offside of that is they've had to make the time. They've really enjoyed it because they love teaching and they love sharing their knowledge and sharing what common mistakes people make with their finances in the GP world. But then off the back of it, they've managed to attract so many more clients because people are like, oh, I need somebody like you because I'm being given some wrong advice. And actually, I didn't know that there were other people that could advise me. So investing that time and energy in something that they enjoy, which is teaching and sharing their knowledge has resulted in a return on their investment in a way. So I think you can't really go wrong if it's something that interests you. But I think aiming too far in the future of when I get there, then it will be okay, is probably not the best way of looking at things. Because first of all, you might not get there, things might happen, careers might change, you know, different things might come in the way, your priorities might change. But also why lose the whole gap you've got in between on trying to get somewhere, somewhere in the future, you've probably got to make your now just as relevant and important to yourself. Yeah, I was reading in a book a while back, a sort of really good story about a, a guy who was just, you know, trying to get up one rung up the ladder and then he thought right well I need to just work like this and then I work like this to get the next rung up the ladder and then the next rung and he got to the top of the ladder only to realize there was another ladder to climb and not only that his ladder was leaning against the wrong wall actually it wasn't what he wanted oh, I've to been do there. anywhere I've been there. <laughs> your ladder against the wrong that, that's another entire podcast is your ladder against the wrong wall but the other thing I wanted to talk about was you know actually how do we make our lives easier when we are juggling flexible working because I think one thing it's good to say don't compare yourself follow your interests and I would also add to that follow your strengths do what you're good at so you know if if you haven't done a strength survey go do a strength survey because it was quite revealing to me when I did a strength survey. I was like ah okay so I'm good at communicating ideas and information who'd have thought and I'm really bad at the details of spreadsheets (laughs) who'd have thought so I know what I'm going to do I'm going to concentrate on sharing ideas and information with people and actually, the more you focus on your strengths, the better you, you you get at the strengths rather than focusing on your weaknesses, which actually don't get very much return on your investment there. So there's something about following your strengths, following your interests. But there's also something about actually how we day to day manage the I think because working flexibly can be quite overwhelming with all these different roles and all these different things. And we were just I was just thinking earlier about, you know, if I had some words of advice for myself in my own shoes sort of 10 years ago when I did have really small children, they're a little bit older now. What would I say? And I think ditching the guilt would be my first. Yeah, definitely. First thing. Do you still carry around some guilt with you? I do just generally when things are quite busy I feel sometimes quite guilty that I'm not really doing everything as well as I could do if I had more time or kind of you know if I was able to focus on it a bit more but I think off the back of that I've just tried to do less but do do it properly and that's been 
you know, kind of a learning from my point of view. But yeah, I do. I think as soon as you're a parent, I think guilt just comes with the job. It's like, you know, it's just part and parcel of the whole thing. But I think um, I'm better at managing it now because I just try and do less and I've got better at saying no to things because before I was like I feel like I have to say yes to everything I don't want to let people down I don't want to come across that I'm not serious about things whereas now I just say I'm really so I'd love to do it but I just just don't have the bandwidth at the moment or maybe there's someone better who could do it for you so I think saying no has helped with the guilt because I've just cut back on a lot of things um, and just focus on a few core things that I'm trying to deliver on and that's helped I think definitely with the guilt aspect of it yeah so much I think you know saying no is is a really powerful weapon because even if you if you say yes because you're motivated out of guilt chances are you're going to let people down at last minute anyway aren't you you're just going to actually just go back in your word which which is much worse than just saying a a firm and kind no Mm. in the first place yeah yeah I think for me recognizing good enough actually I'm a good enough parent and I'm a good enough employee or whatever I mean I, I did hear the other day someone said you know at the moment we are I think women in particular and I think men as well we're expected to work like we don't have a family and look after families like we don't work. And so we're not getting the best of either world. And we're feeling, we're feeling guilty on both sides. And actually, there is no, <laughs> you can't win in, in that situation. So just thinking to yourself, giving a bit of self-compassion, giving yourself a break and going, I am good enough. I'm doing my best. I've done my best in those circumstances. And I, I'm not going to be able to look after my family as if I didn't have a job, because that's not the reality. Yeah, That's not actually what I've chosen. And I'm not also going to be able to give my all to my work as if I didn't have a family because I have also chosen to have a family or I've chosen to whatever else it is you do outside. So you make your choices and then you go, that is what I've chosen. And for me, I choose to is so much more powerful than I ought to. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you 100% on that. And I think I felt like I was doing a much better role in all my roles when I started to set boundaries so for example now after 3 30 I don't take unless it's really exceptional I don't take any meetings I don't do any my local manager stuff I don't do any anything after 3 30 because that's the time where I switch off and I'm you know in mummy zone and I'm kind of with the kids but having said that as soon as I've done the school run that is not when between like drop off and pick up is not a time where I'm arranging play dates or thinking about any school stuff I'm really focused on my work and by having those boundaries has really helped but what's also helped is just making sure in the day I set aside half an hour an hour to just do something that I want to do just because I want to do it so it could be reading a chapter in a book it could be going for a coffee socially distanced of course or going you know for a run or or exercise or something but it's just something I give back to myself as a way of like just appreciating okay yeah this is how you know this is how I want my day to look and it's part of what I was saying before like designing your week so in my days I've carved out things I want to do not things I ought to do and that's made a a huge difference and I think working flexibly is also about making time for things you otherwise wouldn't wouldn't do and what you're saying about you know pretending at work you don't have a family because you want to be in work zone and then being at home and pretending you don't have a job is really difficult. So by setting boundaries and saying, I'm sorry, I can't do, I've got parents evening that week. I can't work late. I can't do this. Or I need, need to do this. You're clearly setting boundaries for yourself and for others 
on what's important to you and what you have to deliver for yourself. Yeah. The other thing I think I would tell myself from 10 years ago is get all the help that you can, (laughs) you know, whatever it takes, whatever, you know, because actually most of us are, I would say as professionals, we're probably more time poor than we are cash poor mostly. And I would say, you know, if you can get a, if you haven't got time to clean house, get a cleaner, get some help, nail your childcare, get that help that you need with your childcare, get help with your, with your cooking. I mean, we've used a a recipe delivery box and that's been great because it means my children will cook as well. And my husband will cook and, you know, get, get whatever's going to help make your life get whatever software you need. I think that's one of the really good things about my local manager because actually just you don't have to skirt around working out how to do your tax return or how to book in or how to invoice. And for me, using that sort of software has been really, really helpful. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And I think that was one of the reasons why I created it because when I thought about work, like working as a parent or somebody who's juggling different roles, you know, when would I carve out the time to start arranging my diary and then invoicing and doing all my pension and tax? And then at the end of the year, the tax return, keeping track of expenses, it just was a whole, you know, hours and hours that I just didn't want to invest that way. So actually by removing those barriers and really automating it all it helped me evolve and just gave me back so much time and it does it you know for our members as well so that's been really important as a resource actually and I still use it you know to this day kind of for my career because it's used by portfolio GPs just as much as it's used by you know locum GPs but um I think the other things that it makes me think about when you say resources is also I think starting with the end in mind is a powerful use of your resources. So knowing what you want to do, achieve over the next year or two years, et cetera, and having a plan and then working towards that plan is is really useful. And it doesn't have to be, oh, I want to get here. I want to do this. It can literally just be like, I want more time for myself. You know, I want to do a 5K at the end of the year. Or I, I want to feel like I'm, I'm more on top of my paperwork at work. Or you know, I'm really interested in... I don't know, teaching as, but I'm a lawyer or I'm a GP or I'm a whatever. And I'm really interested in teaching. How can I incorporate that in my role and make time for something that I actually really enjoy? How can I get rid of the stuff that I don't really enjoy at work? Because if you don't enjoy it, it means that's not in your skill base. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It means there's somebody else that can do it so much better. So, you know, outsource, just get, speak to your team or speak to your practice or speak to, you know, and just say, look, this is not, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. Who who else would love that? And I'll swap you this or I'll just, you know, so you're doing what you're really good at and doing it efficiently and someone else is doing the stuff that you're not good at. You're kind of upskilling your team to work really well together because you're covering each other's not so great bits. Yeah, I, I think the mistake I made was thinking, because I hate that bit of the job, then whenever I asked anyone else to do it, I'd feel incredibly guilty. So, oh, they won't want to do it. But actually, some people, you know, that's the beauty of human beings, that we're all different. And so yeah. different people have different skills. So delegate the stuff that you're not very good at. If, if you don't enjoy it, you're probably not going to be very good at it either. Yeah. And there will be someone else who actually does enjoy doing it. And, and that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing I've learned with my business is, yes, I could learn about how to do this type of marketing or that and this but actually getting someone who's really good at it and does it for a living and paying yeah. them to do that paying accountant has been one of the best things I've ever done yeah. because yes it's cash outflow but actually the hours and the stress it would, yeah. would take yeah. me to do that and then the knowledge I don't have so you know just 
just paying what you need, getting whatever subscriptions you need to make your life easier. For example, I use a subscription to Calendly, which is literally a diary scheduling tool that you say to someone, oh, just pop in here and, you know, book an appointment or a phone call, you know, at your convenience. So you, it'll show you when I'm free, you know, when you're free. And that has saved me. Yes, it costs X amount a month, but oh gosh, the amount of emails it saved me having to go back and forth going, well, I could do this time, that time or whatever. It's just been, just been brilliant. So I'm, I'm a big fan of outsourcing as yeah. much as possible. Yeah. And I think from outsourcing, the other thing I think that's really helped is investing in myself. So it could be coaching, mentorship, you know, whatever. Kind of if if you're listening to this and you're thinking, do you know what, Serena and Rachel, it's all right for you guys. You've got it all sussed and you love your careers. Well, whatever. If you're thinking that, what I'd say is, yeah, I used to be that person. But actually what helped me was getting advice and guidance on what makes a good career. What are my interests? I didn't finish GP training thinking, I'm really interested in, like, I love delivering live webinars. I love engaging. I love like being part of a software development. I love running a business. I, I didn't, I hadn't a clue about any of that. I just knew, oh, I enjoy these little bits. And slowly, slowly I pieced it together into kind of what it is today. But coaching and mentorship was really important for me getting out of my own way. Because I think the biggest things I've learned is the only thing that holds you back is your fear that you're not going to be good enough or you're not going to be capable enough or who are you to think you could do any of this stuff so if you get rid of that and make space for okay maybe if I could do it what would I do well I like this and then you're going to think well I could never make money out of this I couldn't live like yeah everyone would love to do that but I can't and then you start challenging that and thinking well are there people that make a living out of that or are there ways to substitute my income by doing more of this or and it slowly, slowly, it will guide you. But I think kind of getting that guidance will fast track you by years, not not a few weeks, but will really start shaping. And I know, Rachel, you do a lot of coaching and you've done a lot for our My Local Manager members. And they've all, you know, a lot of them were ready to leave general practice or kind of, you know, weren't really sure what to do with their quiz. And they found it really helpful. So I, I don't need to tell you, I think, how good coaching is, but... I'm such a big fan, you know, and I, you know, when I did my career change, it was after, after coaching. And I'm not joking. I think it sped me up, probably got me three years further forward in six months than I would have done on my own. And, and I still get coaching. And I I was laughing when you're saying, you know, people look at us and say, you've got it sus. I mean, I don't feel I've got it sus at all. And I'm still on a journey and I have different coaches for different things. I'm talking to a, a business coach this afternoon to help me really think through actually what are my priorities? I have a coaching group of friends that I have to set some personal goals. I have, you know, other people. I have a coach supervisor for the one-to-one coaching. I do. I just think you need to We're invest in yourself. Together as well. Sorry? We're on a mastermind together as well. We're in a mastermind together. Honestly, I have about five or six different forums in which I, because I, I recognize that we, we, A, we need each other. We can't do this alone. And, and also two, two heads are better than one. But you know, the power of coaching is is having someone to help you structure your thoughts and help you understand what it is you want and what your values and what's what's important to you. So, so yeah, so do get in touch if anyone's interested in one-to-one coaching and, and we've got a coaching package together actually as well with, with my Beat Stress and Thrive course. Mm-hmm. So Serena, just, we're nearly out of time. Uh, what would your three top tips be for anybody who wants to work flexibly and work better flexibly? Okay, so I think my first, I'm going to just reflect on what I 
kind of learned over the course of my flexible working career so far. And the first thing is kind of understand what you enjoy. So for me, I had to really work out slowly, slowly the things that I wanted to to do as part of what I enjoyed and what I felt like um, I could earn a living out of, but also incorporate into my working week. So part of that is things like coaching or mentorship, or there's lots of free things. I I know for GPs uh, off the back of COVID, NHS are offering a lot of coaching and mentorship. So, and it's all for free. So just go on to, I think it's called looking after me too. If you just Google NHS England, it will come up. But I think that's really important because when you identify what you're interested in, you can then start moving towards that. I think the second part of flexible working is setting boundaries. So understanding because you could work flexibly, but be working 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week doing different roles, but you're working flexibly. So I think setting boundaries over what is your work time, what is your off work time and what does that working week look like so now on say for my local manager for example the gps that use it and when i use it i fill it in all week with what i'm doing and what work i'm doing and what portfolio roles or what locum shifts i'm doing so i can pretty much design my own working week but whichever way you're doing it just set the boundaries so your work is in one part but then you've made space for the other things that you want to do which might not be work related And I think the third thing would probably be just to surround yourself by people who are doing different things. And you can set up an informal mastermind group or you can just email other colleagues. You know, they could be accountants, lawyers, GPs, people that are doing different things in their space and get their learnings because that will progress you by years just by sharing, you know, how they did it and what they did. And I think that's probably the three things that I've done which have really catapulted me quite quickly into creating a very flexible enjoyable career path which I think kind of anyone could implement really yeah thank you Uh, my top tips are firstly get the help that you need and pay for it okay secondly just ditch the guilt yeah recognize you are your own person you are not that person over there and you are good enough and then my final thing is do fewer things but better we all actually do too much. We need yeah, to focus definitely. down on a few things. So Serena, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really brilliant. And I know that you've got a free locum guide as well that you're going to offer. Yeah, so I think for anybody that wants to work flexibly in general practice and build a portfolio career, and then they're feeling daunted about how they're going to manage all their invoices, pension, tax and everything else. I'm offering a guide which goes through all of that in a really nice step-by-step way. And you can always sign up to my local manager and we do monthly webinars. Rachel, you're you're going to be on our one in January, which delivers a lot of support, interactive support every month to help guide you along your career path as well. So I think everyone's going to get that in your email, but also they can download it in the show notes as well. Brilliant. Great. So thank you for being with us. And we'll definitely have to get you back. There's so much more I think we need to talk about around around this sort of thing. okay have a good day bye thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this episode then please share it with your friends and colleagues please subscribe to my you are not a frog email list and subscribe to the podcast and if you have enjoyed it then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts so keep well everyone you're doing a great job you got this